Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. I hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. Bump, you seem to have had a great weekend. You have a new addition to the family. Yeah, I do. I was uh, blindsided, bamboozled into this whole situation. <laughs> I go, I get home after a game, then traveling the great state of Washington. And uh, my wife goes, sit on the air. You're lazy, boy. We got a surprise for you. And I go, oh, what is it? Did my daughter get a new outfit? She's been doing her hair lately, maybe. Uh-huh. She's got a new hair design. Maybe special dinner. And they sit something on my lap. And as soon as it touches my lap, I know what it is. It's a mini doodle. Yeah. And I have another dog. So oh, her name's Callie. She's so cute. I did see one picture on Instagram, but I put out a poll. Michael Bumpus has a new mini doodle puppy, and as such, he should. There are four possible answers. Three of them are bring her into the studio. Running away with it right now. But the fourth option, <laughs> other, is in second place. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. Because people understand, you don't just bring a puppy to the studio. She's got to be trained for like six to eight months, mm. know where to go pee and where to go poop and all that I'll stuff. I can't in, do that to you I'll y'all. bring in puppy pads. I'll bring in, uh, I'll lay down blankets and you can't just and garbage let bags. the puppy roam. Like you need eyes on her. I that think room, it's Stacey. fine. Right. I think it's totally fine. She, what's she going to do? What's she going to do? Take everything. us off air? Oh them? no. Like it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, people were giving some of their suggestions though for other, the other option. And the other option is that you and Mike Salt bring in the puppies together so that they can play together. Well, okay. Well, you know, we'll we'll get there eventually. Okay. But she ain't trained yet. That's fine. Curtis, did you have a wonderful weekend? Uh, it, I mean, it was a weekend. Okay, we so are, no. <laughs> we are going through uh, a stage of, you know, young childhood development uh, where we are weaning our two-year-old off of binkies. Oh, and, no. uh Boy, was there a lot of screaming this weekend. Oh, no. <laughs> so uh, that was my weekend. Nice. I've, I'm running on like maybe three hours of sleep okay. from last night. So, okay. You know. Uh, well, I had a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I did watch most of the Grammys. And I'm afraid to say my main thought. Bump has told me multiple times I, I shouldn't say it. You don't want to so, get canceled on a Monday. I know. Oh, so what I'll, say, what I'll say is two other things, which is, uh, Tracy Ford performing for the first time in nine years you, live. Tracy Chapman. Tracy Chapman. Did I? What did I say? Ford. Tracy, Tracy Ford. Ford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, here in the Seattle sports community, Tracy Chapman performing live for the first time in nine years uh, was amazing. Like I had chills listening. Uh, and then um, I thought I thought Miley Cyrus was pretty good. Also, I did love um, Jay Z's speech and Beyonce uh, just kind of standing as a, a potential photo op for people. Like it, the most famous person in the building by far was Beyonce Giselle Knowles Carter in her cowboy hat. Yeah, um, this is the first time in a while I didn't watch it. I didn't realize it was on until I started looking at Twitter, That's and then everyone's like, now, "Oh snaps, this is happening, this is happening." And then I come in, and, and Mike Salk thought it was the greatest Grammys of all time. So I'm like, "All right, I'm, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna check it out." But I was there for the drama. I saw the Jay Z thing. Um, I also saw Beyonce kind of uh, like a uh, hezzy Ice Spice and not show her love. I yeah. saw that. So you know, I'm uh, I'm a little up to date, but I got some uh, some research to do. She's just truly too famous to be there. But Jay Z's entire point was, "How is she the most?" decorated artist from the Grammys of all time and it's never won album of the year. Right. It's crazy. Pointing out the hypocrisy of that. Um, Which brings me to my point. Winner of album of the year was Taylor Swift. I get it. Like, 
uh, incredibly famous, incredibly influential. Uh, and as Mike Salk pointed out to me, great songwriter. I am invested in Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I don't know why. I don't choose how I feel. It's just how I feel. Like, I, I want to know where this goes and what happens with them. And now I'm kind of following them. I... I still don't fully comprehend Taylor Swift as an artist. Like, she doesn't resonate with me in the same way, and that's okay. That's okay. Like, I'm not—she's not for me, and that's great. That's fine. But that's that was kind of my lingering thought mm-hmm. heading away from it was, like, the voice doesn't do it for me. The overall just, like, vibe doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. I'm still—I still respect what she's been able to do. Yeah, just not for you. Yeah. Like, Ice Spice ain't for me. Exactly. Playboy Cardi ain't for me. Exactly. Sometimes yeah. artists aren't for you. It's the same for you. And again, like, I think that the the thing you don't want to do is start, like, outright hating on someone. Yeah. Therefore, she shouldn't be famous. <laughs> now, I'm here for shots of her at NFL games. Like, I, I'm actually here for that version of Taylor Swift. I be, I've become, I'm used to it now. At first, I'm like, why? What, what's going on? Why are we doing this? And then I go, she's growing the game. You she's know? She, she's growing the Swift? game. Yeah. Oh, with the NFL? Oh, I yeah. was always totally fine with that. Taylor Swift as an artist, I think, is like, it's just, it's it's the entire picture. It's the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, again, Mike pointed out, great songwriter. But it's like the whole picture of like resonating with this giant group of people. And it's mm-hmm. okay if I'm not part of that group. Yeah. I can still respect it from afar. But it's, again, maybe just not my favorite, personally my favorite artist. Not, not our cup of tea. Not my cup of tea. However... I am here for NFL version of Taylor Swift. So I, I don't know how that happened. Like, I don't know how I became a Swifty, but only from an NFL standpoint. But I didn't choose this life. It's what happened. Uh, the Seahawks, more importantly, that's what we're here to talk about today, uh, are doing something they haven't done in 14 years. Now, Bump, one of them is quite obviously get a new head coach. Pete Carroll was here for 14 years. But importantly, what goes along with that is outside voices. And one of the things that we've talked about when it comes to Pete Carroll's coaching staff as would be the case with most coaching staffs anywhere, college or the pros, is you get really insulated. You get a lot of the same voices. You promote from within. You Mm -hmm. trust your own people. And that really limits the outside eyes and ears and voices that you bring in. That's changing now. Yeah, it is changing. And it's good, man. Um, And again, there's nothing wrong with, excuse me, promoting from within. I think there are advantages to that, too, because... At some point, the Seahawks has something really good going, and they, and they go, look, man, let's let's keep family business, family business, and bring these guys up who have been around and been around what we're doing and know exactly what our goal is. But then at some point, it's like, all right, now you do need some fresh shots. And they've got it for the most part, right? You bring in Shane Waldron. Uh, Shoddy was here for a little bit. So they have experimented on the offensive side when it comes to bringing in fresh eyes and fresh ears. Defensively, they kind of kept it the same because that – was who the Seahawks were. They were known for their defense. They were known for the Legion of Boom, that cover three, that 4-3 defense, the lockdown corners on the outside, Mm -hmm. and just a certain approach to the game. Therefore, they were more likely to keep it in-house when it comes to promoting. Now, after 14 years, man, great run by Pete Carroll, promoted his guys. Um, Other guys have gone on and gotten opportunities. Now you get to start all over, hit the reset button as much as you want. It's not even the reset button. You're you're taking a few steps back because we talked to Mike, and he understands that – there is something special about Seattle that has been 
laid down as far as the foundation. Now it's up to him to build on top of that. So yeah, you are you are keeping some of what Pete Carroll has done, but I am optimistic, excited to see how these fresh eyes come in and affect the guys they already have on the roster and the things that are already happening inside of EMAC. That's the important thing. I think when we sometimes talk about like, oh, fresh eyes and ears and people coming in, you see it as uh, in terms of like who's challenging the coach, but it's also who's challenging a player. You know what I mean? Right. Like there are players within this organization, including people in their second contracts um, who have never heard from someone outside the organization truly like coach them. They've never heard someone that wasn't a Pete Carroll disciple. They've never had, you know, someone really, really push them. Mm-hmm. And some of them might be completely fine as players. You don't really need to be pushed in the same way. But I think it's probably always good to have a healthy amount of discourse and to have someone new come in and go, ah, you know what? I'm a, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and push back here. Right. Yeah, it's um. So I I train receivers, obviously, right? Now um, that's what I do outside of this, and I will train a receiver, and we work on things in the summertime or during their break, and then they go off to college and to do their thing. They always come back with a different perspective or a different technique that their college coach is teaching them. Mm-hmm. And I look at that and I go, all right, cool. Let's see what he what he's talking about. Like, what are the advantages to this? Now, sometimes I look at what they're being taught and I go, I don't necessarily agree with that, but you know what? It's working for you, so let's go ahead and do that. So even as, as coaches and as mentors, guys who are trying to help these young men throughout their journeys, like you're learning along the way. You're getting new ideas, right? They, they leave, they go to Eastern, they go to UW, Wazoo, they come back with new ideas and it enhances my training as well because now I'm taking from what their coaches teach them and they go, I got to make sure when you go back to your university, you're being taught the things that your, your wide receiver coach wants you to do. So that's essentially what's happening right here is that, look, the guys who are here have been taught a certain way by certain coaches and it's worked for uh, in some cases, in some cases, it hasn't been mm-hmm. the the most effective. But now you get to take that because there's a foundation. DK is a good receiver. Jason is a good receiver. Lockett is a good receiver. But now you get to take what you've learned and get some new ideas, and that can rejuvenate some guys and take them to a level that um you know they haven't been before. So um it's uh it's it's exciting for all involved, right? There are going to be some failures. It's not just Mike McDonald's going to come in here and the staff is going to get in there and everything is going to go smoothly. No, there. There's a transition that's happening, and during that transition, these these players are going to be able to to kind of pick and choose the new things that they're learning to implement to their game and the way they think. Honestly, Lofa Tajubu was on with Wyman and Bob had this to say about the hiring of Leslie Frazier. I think it's a huge adjustment putting the staff together, and, and who can you just mentioned Frazier? I mean, that's a quality coach right there, and so the. First time putting a staff together is the hardest for, that's where I think most coaches have a difficult time. You know, McDonald's coached for a while now, uh, even though he is only 36, and, you know, he coached with both Harbaugh's. So I'm guessing that the network that they have, you know, that he'll be picking their brains, and then you can't hire everybody, right? And so I think there'll be plenty of quality guys that, that they the Harbaugh's would like to have hired that they'll be able to point him in the right direction. But I think that's, that's the biggest thing, especially, you know, on the offensive side, finding someone that, you know, he could trust and, like, almost say, hey, you take care of them. And, you know, I'll, obviously I'll oversee everything, but, you know, I'm going to spend most of the time with the defense and make sure we get that side right. So again, Leslie Frazier, a great start, but hiring coaching staff is the most challenging thing for a first-time head coach. This is something that Lofa told us uh, when he was on with us prior to McDonald being hired. And you and I told him, yeah, we'd love to see Mike McDonald. And he said, great dude, seems really smart, but here's the thing. When you bring in someone like Dan Quinn, he's got decades of connections 
that Mike McDonald doesn't have quite yet. So he yeah. knew that that would be the challenge for McDonald yeah. moving forward. For sure. Dan Quinn is, what, 50-something years old? He's been in the league for a while. He's been a head coach, a D coordinator, position coach. So along the journey, he's made relationships. And I think the more we uh, we dive into this coaching search, the more that we realize, even across the league, it's about relationships. Mm-hmm. You got no football, but it's about relationships. So being 36 years old, a coordinator for two years in the NFL, one year in college, you're, uh, you're, your Rolodex ain't as deep as a Dan Quinn, but that doesn't mean that he's not going to reach out to a Harbaugh and say, hey, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about that guy? We we saw Kafka was connected to the Seahawks for a little bit. Um, he can reach out, and because he is a head coach, when he reach when he reaches out, people are going to listen, and they're going to say, "All right, let's see what what Mike needs and what he wants." So that is going to be a challenge, though, because um, what coaches do on their way up to the top is that while they're having these lunches, they're going to get coffee, they're in the film room grinding, they're they're looking at guys and saying, "All right, if I were to make it, he has to come with me if he isn't already promoted to a different spot." So there is some of that, but. With the potential hire of Leslie Frazier, I think, um, that Rolodex got bigger. Mm-hmm. And Frazier's done this before. And he'll be able to kind of guide Mike McDonald in the areas that uh, Mike McDonald feels he needs that guidance. Now, we heard uh, a report from Albert Brewer this morning. The Seahawks working on hiring Michigan's Jay Harbaugh, a special teams coordinator. So, obviously, still looking to fill uh, that OC spot. That's the conversation we're having at 11. The hire of Leslie Frazier is great. We're all on board. But they have to nail the offensive coordinator hire. We'll tell you why. We'll tell you uh, the uh, first parts of the job for that person, where the offense is right now. We're going to focus on the offensive side of things coming up uh, at 11. But overall, I think both you and I would probably grade this as like an A. Yeah, get a veteran in here, someone who's been around. Um, And I think sometimes when people see someone uh, who has maybe failed as a head coach somewhere, I'm using failed loosely, um, or, you know, in their mind is not someone they know well. It's like, well, what's that guy do? Leslie Frazier's exceptional. He knows ball. He's been successful. Also, anyone hired to another coaching staff, unless they are like on the upswing because they're 35 years old, has failed somewhere, has struggled somewhere, has been fired somewhere. It's just happened. It's the NFL. One team wins every year. And to sustain winning is tough. We've seen it for 20 years with the Patriots, and that was amazing, a great run. Right now, we're seeing it with the Chiefs for the last, what, six seasons, making Mm -hmm. it to the conference championship and now entering their fourth Super Bowl. And there are other teams that you can sprinkle in that you know are going to be good, like the Seahawks you knew were going to be good, um, the Niners the last five years. But there's never... 32 teams who have it all figured out, who have the right combination of players, who have the right combination of coaches, who have their quarterback. There's a reason why there's a team that picks number one every single year, and most of the time they got a young quarterback or not the franchise quarterback. So there's a a constant rotation of players and coaches um, going through the NFL. That's just what it is. So I think it's important when you do look look at these coaches is, yeah, you got to look at – uh, their record, I guess. You got to look at um, their defense and offensive performances. But I also challenge you to look at the rosters and see what they are working with. If you don't have talent, you can have the greatest game plan in the world. If you don't have the guys to execute your game plan, then it's it's just scribble on paper. Mm-hmm. Like you got to get guys to execute. And there are teams every year that win four, five, and six games because they don't have the right combination or the right leadership. So yeah, I, it's you don't ignore the places that they've been and the successes and failures that they have. But you got to understand that this happens to every coach, the greatest coach, arguably 
NFL history struggled the last four years. And struggled. didn't get hired this coaching And didn't cycle. get hired. And, and still didn't get hired. have a job. Yeah, it's crazy. So that, that alone should let you know just how this thing called the NFL works. All right. Washington's biggest night out in sports is coming up February 15th. It's the 89th Annual Sports Star of the Year Awards, crowning our state's biggest stars and stories of 2023. You can find tickets and info at seattlesports.com slash events. Let's get to Headline Rewrites. Headline Rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. Headline number one, the Mariners acquired hard-throwing reliever Gregory Santos from the White Sox in exchange for prospects Prelander Baroa and Zach Deloach. What's the real headline? Just build the whole bullpen out of guys that can throw 103. Why is this so hard, yeah. guys? Hello? <laughs> Easy. Hello? We got it figured out. Yeah. Man, I, I love this, man. Um, Gregory Santos, 23 years old. You expect him to be in that bullpen. Curtis, we talked about, all right, what are they going to do with this we bullpen? Did. And then they answered our questions. I got Gregory Santos in there. Um, I look at this guy, and I see potential. I see a guy now. He did, again, every time we look at a, at a guy that the uh, the Mariners just picked up, there's always some type of injury history. I go, all right, man, take care of that elbow. I had an inflamed elbow last year. Everyone has something, but if you're a pitcher, eventually something's going to happen, right? But you look at this guy, you can see him in the later innings. Um, he had five saves out of eight opportunities for the uh, the White Sox last year. That was a nasty sinker. I mean, I, I like the junk. I like the stuff that he has, mm-hmm. and he's young, and I feel a lot better about this uh, this bullpen. Topa played a huge role in what what these guys were able to do last year late in the game. All the metrics say that Santos is the equivalent to Topa, but he's younger now. So let's see what he does. Like you said, feeling a lot better, not just about the bullpen, but about this team as a whole. In fact, is it time to give the Mariners some credit for their offseason? Mm-hmm. That's a conversation we're having coming up at 1045. Curtis, what's next? Headline rewrites. Headline number two, the Huskies will reportedly hire former Patriots assistant Steve Belichick. That last name sounds familiar as their new defensive coordinator. What's the real headline? Jetfish continues his wild tradition of having a Nepo baby on staff at all times. There's now, as Curtis pointed out, a Carol, a Belichick, and a Harbaugh in Seattle. Yeah. That, but that, all the sons. But yeah, none <laughs> of the originals. None of the originals, just the second iteration. The next generation. That's like seeing Joey Porter's son in the NFL and all these other guys. We're like, man, I used to grow up watching your daddy back in the day. Um, And now you you look at the situation and you can easily say, okay, Belichick, Nepple baby, he is an Nepple baby. But it's not like he's being given this opportunity. He has coached in the league for 12 years. Um, His defenses have been okay. Last year, they lost three games. They helped the Colts to 10, the Chargers to 6, the Giants to 10, and they lost those games. So I look at Belichick and I go, all right, this is this is your time now. I think you've paid your dues. They were 46% when it comes to allowing touchdowns in the red zone last year. That's fifth in the league. There are some things that this Patriots defense were doing well. My only question is, how much um, was Bill Belichick involved in all that? I'm sure he was, and, and I think Steve is, is capable of doing this. He's been preparing for the situation. But you always look at his connection and say, okay, how much of that was Bill Belichick? So good for him stepping out of his dad's mm-hmm. sh- uh, shadow and getting an opportunity here. Uh, we shall see, but uh, University of Seattle, the Nepo University. Uh, the, something about saying Nepo baby just sounds fun. 
Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It just like it feels good to say. And I think importantly, when you talk about Nepo babies, it is fair to point out someone's connections, uh, especially when they're high up connections. Your dad was a head coach at Michigan and is now with the Chargers. Your dad was a head coach with the Seahawks and you're now with Washington, whatever it is. It doesn't automatically disqualify someone, you know, a really successful Nepo baby. Well, his team is playing in the Super Bowl (laughs) this weekend. Uh, Well, no, I was going to say Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Obviously. And he's a brilliant mind. I mean, having a father who knew football as well as he did and was as connected as he did, like, there's also, you know, you got to take advantage of it to get really far. Uh, But yeah, people always get really defensive about that. They do. I mean, they're taking advantage of a situation and they paid their dues. It's not like they're getting hired off the street. No. They've been in football for a while and it's a bit of jealousy. You look at these guys and say, man, I wish I had that opportunity. Well, you know what? Sometimes you're just a product of your resources and where you were born, what time you were born. Sometimes you are Taylor Swift. Sometimes you you are just the right age at the right time, seeing the right songs to the right crowd. I cannot believe I already had people texting in going, wow, how dare you? And I was like, I have no personal issue with Taylor Swift. She's not for me. That's all. But I'm very here for Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Like I stand them as a couple and I can't, I don't know why. I don't know why I am so much more behind Taylor Swift, uh, you know, uh, nightmare to uh, hateful NFL fans than I am Taylor Swift, just actual <laughs> artist and like what she does well. But like, yeah, it's okay. Also, uh, I had one time someone, uh, I made a joke about Nepo babies and they accused me of being a Nepo baby because of Dave Ross over on the <laughs> AM side. Very different last names, but it was really funny. I laughed. Hey, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> so now whenever Wave I see to him, him in the hall. No, whenever he like, walks away, that? like if he's in the kitchen and he walks away, I just under my breath go, see you later, Dad. <laughs> Bye, Dad. Hello, headline. We rise. <laughs> uh, headline number three: The Cougs took down Washington, ninety to eighty-seven in overtime on Saturday night, and now are tied for second place in the Pac-12. What's the real headline? I never thought I'd say this as a Husky. Um, I am jealous of the Cougs. Really? Why is that, Stacy? <laughs> Why is that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe my team is going nowhere fast and, and your team just beat us uh, last night and is uh, looking uh, looking at a, a berth for uh, for the tournament. Well, so. we'll see, man. And uh, and we're going to talk to head coach Kyle Smith. But uh, I look at this situation, Stacy, and you know how WSU goes, right? Every few years, you get the right group of kids, kids who were not highly recruited, and you got the right coach to get these guys going, and things happen man so it's nice to see WSU basketball doing their thing man every year since Kyle Smith has gotten there they've gotten better and better and better so um, there's something in that Palouse water out there if you know what I'm talking about Stacey um, you know what Palouse water is beer Natty Ice baby <laughs> Bushlight Natty Ice let's go like, I have one guess yeah. am I gonna go with a brand or Probably am I just something gonna go alcoholic. yeah something tells me Palouse water is alcoholic <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, someone said Pete's old and the game is passed him by, but Leslie, who's 62 and couldn't win his head coach, is great. No one said Pete's old and the game is passed him by. I mean, people say that, but we didn't say that. <laughs> what we're saying, that, yeah, what we said is losers, you so. always want to get different eyes and ears and, and voices in your coaching staff, and Seattle hadn't done a lot of that. Yeah. Not unique to Seattle, but uh, it does sometimes, you know, lend itself to poor play because people don't hear other ideas and don't challenge themselves. That's true for any workplace anywhere. Like think of people bringing in consultants from outside Mm -hmm. of their offices to tell them like, what do you do well and what do you need help with? Right. Exactly. Um, A fresh perspective 
can be good. Um, even if you don't agree with that perspective is um, is giving you, it's still something to think about. You can always learn. So, yeah, I'm with that. All right. As Bump mentioned, Wazoo head basketball coach Carl Smith joining us in just a few minutes. Don't go anywhere. Bump and Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Inbound by Holland, left side. Brooks has a look for it and he missed it, but he got fouled. No. No. They say no foul. Cougars win. 90 to 87. Shot it off the side of the backboard. Washington State wins a classic in Seattle by three in overtime. 90 to 87. Joining us now, Wazoo head basketball coach Kyle Smith on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Hey, Coach, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. Coach, uh, first off, I want to start off by saying go Cougs. You know how we do here, man. Um, it's, uh, it's been fun to watch this team grow over the past few years, man. Um, what, what would you say is the foundation to um, your basketball program and, and why we've been able to see just um, the improvement over the past few seasons? You know, I would say uh, just building an expectation. And uh, we've talked, a lot of people talk about culture. We don't talk about it. We try to display it the best I can say. We just talk about how getting guys that have great attitudes, uh, great work ethic, and then maybe the most important part, guys that really want to be here, you know, trying to make big time where it's where you're at. And you guys are familiar with Pullman. And, it's, and it kind of, it's a place where that's conducive, man. So I think having that, and obviously there's been some turnover in, in players, but also having a, a great staff. Um, and we've had some movement there too, but Jim Shaw uh, is my associate head coach. He's been with me all five years and he's a Pacific Northwest guy. And it's kind of um, made us reputable here. And, and we've just kind of grown year over year. Pat Chun called this one an instant classic. This win uh, said it showed the character and toughness of the team on the road. And I think any coach, any AD, any player is going to say that about a road win uh, against a conference opponent, against a rival. They're going to say, oh, it showed character and toughness. But I think that you can truly say that about this team. Where do you see that character and toughness show up? You know, we're just, first of all, one of our main leaders is Miles Rice, who uh, battled Hodgkin's lymphoma last year and, and, and just inspiration to all of us, what he went through and never, never seemed to get down. So he's, he's experienced real, real adversity and his appreciation for every, uh, every minute he gets to play every possession. Um, I think that that's a, that's a good place to start as far as character. And then they like each other, man. They, they do. And everyone says, everyone usually does with the winning, but we, we've gotten a lot better. I mean, our first, uh, our first, scrimmage of the year we'd be the team that's sixth place in the big sky by one you know and and uh but, but you could see it and we're, we could get better and i think we have um there and we played some we won some tight games we lost a an overtime game that we had won the cal game but the way we bounced back and played well at home and then we're able to kind of steal that one back against uw Coach, your leading scorer is Isaac Jones. And I look at his numbers, uh, what, five, 15.8 points per game, about seven assists. But the thing that sticks out to me the most, man, is he's from Spanaway, right? He's a, he's a local kid. Yeah. And I look at WSU, and I think that's the direction our athletics have to lean is taking care of home uh, first to grab this talent because we all know how the NIL and the transfer portal um, is changing the game. Is that part of your direct recruiting tactics? Is, is like, look, let's take care of home first and grab some of these gems that people might overlook. Always has been. 
<laughs> since we got here, but it wasn't as easy to get them. Um, just trying to establish ourselves is like, hey, this is a, a good place to go if you're an in-state guy. And there's a built-in, you know, everyone, where you went to state is going to have some built-in friends and people that know you coming down here. And uh, Isaac's been great. We've got Dave Mullins, Parker Garrett, Dylan Darling, uh, a few others. I can't think right? Ben Olson. So we've been trying to build that because I think that's just what this place should be about. Um, and Isaac's been awesome, and uh, and then we got a new one coming uh, from Cheney, uh, Evan uh, Stinson, who we think is going to be a really good player too. Hey, Coach, I want to get back to Miles Rice. I know we were just talking about him, and I saw this great video of him greeting young fans, walking off the uh, the court uh, in Seattle, averaging 15 points per game, first year back from chemo treatments. Um, and, and I know that we talked about it just a little bit, but would you mind speaking just more about Miles and um, whether it's what you've learned from him, what you know, what he's been able to provide in terms of inspiration and leadership with the team, because he's so young. I know he's, he's, uh, first of all, he's just, and what you see is what you get. I mean, he's a light bulb of a mm-hmm. personality and a big, big charisma. Um, I call him a peacock a little bit. He's not afraid to show off his feathers. Um, and, uh, and that's okay. I mean, I want our guys to be who they are and within, within the parameters of the team, obviously. And he's just, um, he's got a, like I said, he's got a big charisma, like, and people will gravitate to him. Um, and then with what he went through and wanting to give back and he's, and he's done, he's done numerous uh, speaking engagements to talk about his battle and often without much fanfare without like, I mean, he was doing one in Colfax and I didn't, I had no idea. And someone called me and said, well, that guy's impressive. So he's kind of the whole package. He's just, um, you know, our expectations were, we knew he's talented, but after what he went through, I tried to pump the brakes and limit, you know, be such a believer, he's such a confident person. And, and as he's actually put games together, that confidence has just grown. So um, we're hoping he keeps keeps going, man. We got a lot lot of season left, and and the kind of the the better he gets, the better we get. Coach, um, we obviously had a great year when it comes to the Pac-12 football, right? A bunch of ranked teams and uh, kind of ended this whole thing with a bang. When you look at Pac-12 when it comes to basketball, um, how do you think the, the quality of talent is this year? And uh, just your, your thoughts on this, all the universities and how the game's being played in, in this last season. You know what? It's top to bottom. It's the best it's been. I mean, uh, Cal with Mark Madsen, they've made an improvement. Oregon State's back, you know. And then uh, there's just a lot of great young individual talent, like a lot of NBA talent. And right now, I think what uh, I think Arizona's where they eight and three, um, and then the bottom is whatever. So there's there's a lot of schools that are very competitive, top to bottom. Um, so it's going to be a good finish down the stretch. And like I said, like UCLA, I think's won six out of seven. They had a really rough start to the season. It's like, jeez. They, we don't need them picking off people down the stretch, but they're playing really well. So that's that's kind of the narrative's been that the league's down. It's not at all. Um, it's just more. There's anyone can beat anyone every night. It's uh, there is more parity for sure. Uh, it's also just a fantastic year overall for for Wazoo men's hoops, which is which is great to see so far. There is such a changing um, dynamic though with college sports as a whole. I mean, Bump and I were talking, this is a football conversation, but we were talking just uh, yeah. last week about NIL deals and how that kind of complicates things and, and how that kind of changes the landscape. You've been through so much in the time that you've been with Wazoo. Obviously, the pandemic happened uh, during your tenure. Uh, you've had, you know, the dissolution of the Pac-12, you've got NIL deals. What have you 
I guess, what have you learned most about how college sports has changed? It's unbelievable, Coach. Uh, it's, it's been, uh, it has been chaos. Um, it's really. And it's just, it really has. It's, like, it's realignment. It's COVID. Right. We had a cancer uh, situation. We had another young man that lost a season from another medical situation. Yeah. So, and honestly, if we had both those guys last year and they were healthy, we went to the NIT. We were, I felt like we were really, really dynamite. So yeah. it's been able to stay the course and uh, try to apply what you teach these guys. And I said, keeping a great attitude, <laughs> having a great work ethic, trying to keep the main thing the main thing, which has been challenging, especially through the COVID piece. Um, but it's still basketball. There's still 18 to 22 year olds. And we like to say this is a character development program. We just display our character to through basketball. And I think that's kept it together. Um, and, uh, you know, and we've had, like I said, we had this, the turnover in Rosh, that's, that's difficult a little bit for everyone. And it's not what I'm used to, but I've, I've learned to adapt <laughs> and we've just got to do it. But it'd be nice if you could, I'm just trained to, you know, coach a team and watch guys de- develop and grow. And it's just a little different now, but, uh, we're managing all right, last question here. Coming up, tough road trip, taking on Oregon State uh, Thursday, February 8th, 7 p.m. tip-off for that one, taking on Oregon on the 10th. Not going to be easy, but again, a really exciting team you have here. What's uh, what's the message, Which what's the thought heading into these two? Yeah, I mean, it's the cliche of all cliches, one at a time. Uh, Oregon <laughs> State's first, and uh, they're, they're a lot of these teams are playing smaller, quicker, really hard to guard like Utah and Oregon. But uh, Oregon State's really physical. They've been really good at home. They beat Arizona. They drilled USC. So getting our guys ready for that physical confrontation. And, and then once that's over, you got to turn the page quickly and um, play a really, you know, a team that put 89 points on their, on their own gym. And they're just different style of play um, and pretty, really talented and a little more healthy. So it'll, it'll, we, after next Sunday, we'll, we'll know a little bit more about ourselves and where we stand. And, Everyone wants to get excited about us, which they should be, but it's like we've, we've got a long ways to go to get to reach our, our ultimate goals. All right. Well, best of luck on this trip. We'll all be watching. He is Wazoo head basketball coach Kyle Smith. Thanks so much, coach. Thanks, coach. Go Cougs. All right. Go Cougs. I like the Wazoo <laughs> brand. Go with it. <laughs> all right. See you guys. Thank you. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Is it time to give the Mariners some credit for their offseason? That's coming up next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Well, Bump, some people bring their puppy into the office. Mike Salk brought uh, Gertie in. She's very cute and very small. I did scare her. I didn't tell you guys that because when I walked down the hallway, I said, oh, my God. And then she, <laughs> she started. She ran away. She got scared. Well, Salk lives like. 10 minutes from here. Well, I mean, easy I, for him to get I, the, I the puppy here and back. You know, I think so. Bump has a new puppy. I think, you know, Callie would love to come into the studio. She could hang out here. You know what I mean? I'm, I'll ask um, give it a couple weeks and I'll ask Jen to bring him in. Yes, yeah, she was. She's only going to be 10 pounds. But she won't be a puppy. Puppies have puppy bellies. That's the thing. They're like <laughs> distended puppy bellies that are like soft and, and round. In like perfect circles, mm-hmm. it's the cutest thing about puppies is their bellies. Everyone knows this. I like. I agree. Yeah, I thank agree. you. It's a time to give the Mariners some credit for their off season. It's a question we were asking ourselves. Uh, we were not 
super high on the Mariners offseason to get things started, understandably so, because this is a team uh, that made the playoffs, then fell just short of the playoffs in a disappointing campaign, and everyone so badly wanted them to put in some real effort to get back there, and instead they were cutting payroll. And so people were upset, Mm -hmm. again, rightfully so. But we've since had a few changes. You've had a couple trades. You had some signings. uh, You've had some nice moves. Do they deserve more credit for what they've been able to do so far? Um, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Okay. Uh, But I will go out there and say for the budget that they were given, I think they've done a decent job. Now, we expected them, I, I believe payroll was $140 million last year. We expected them to increase that maybe $20, 30000000 million in a perfect world. And they go, nah, pump the brakes. You got about five extra million to play with. Mm-hmm. So their whole their whole approach to this offseason was to get rid of old money and bring in some cheap new money as far as the players. And that's what they've done. We talked about their departures. Teoscar's gone. Kelnick, Suarez, Gonzalez, Ray, Topa, Caballero, and Tom Murphy. And you look at what they brought in. And I think that for everything they got rid of, at some point they're getting rid of all these pieces and we're like, but who are you going to replace them with? Like, who's going to play third base? Who's going to be second base? What about your outfield? What about power? What about that bullpen? What about leadership? What about leadership? Exactly, right? And we have all these questions and they've answered the questions. Now, it might not be the overwhelming answers that we were hoping for. It might not be the big names, but I look at the situation that DePoto is in. Okay, people are going to lean on the 54% comment. I get it. People are going to say, well, they're going cheap. He can only work with what management, excuse me, ownership gives him as far as budget. So I look at what they've done, and uh, I think uh, Polanco is was a huge um, addition to this whole thing. I think Santos was a huge addition to this whole thing, but they've addressed all the voids out there. Now, could it have been better, I think, if they were willing to spend more or if DePoto was capable? Then they could have. So I look at the situation, and I go... Because I look at the 145 million, I go, all right, man. They're hoping that uh, these young guys pay off and the guys on the roster do their thing. Could they have done more for sure? Yeah. Am I mad at them? I'm, I'm alright. That's kind of where I am. I, 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 I give the Mariners credit for being creative, and specifically with Mariners, uh, with Jerry Depoto and Justin Hollander and what they've been able to do. I give them credit with being creative. I do not give, and this sounds like I'm being a hater, but I don't care. I don't step back. And give the Mariners as a whole, all of their decision makers, credit for, you know, really going all in and really trying to capture a World Series and doing all this stuff. Because I don't think that's what they're doing. You're Mm -hmm. clearly saving money. You clearly were making salary dumps. You clearly limited the amount of money and the amount of flexibility that Jerry Depoto and Justin Hollander had to work with. But I give them credit right. for what they've been able to do with that lack of flexibility. Yeah, I, I mean, goodness gracious, we, uh, you know, the wifey goes to Costco all the time, and she goes, "Look, I'm only going to spend X amount of dollars." And every now and then, she goes over the budget, and it's, it's like, "But look, but look what we got, though." Yeah, but but we now got, we, we have got pizza that, bites. We got that new air fryer, though. Yeah, right. It, it, so it's it's all about how you look at it, right? If you understand that, and 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 people want us to go for the puddle all the time, and and the long the longer I'm in this this radio business, the more I realize that, um, you know, Mariners fans really just want us to go for heads and all that stuff. And there are times where moves are made or not made, and, and we have strong opinions about it. But in this situation, I'm almost sympathetic for the puddle, and I'm saying, man, you only got so much to work with. You look at all these other organizations, 
um, who are spending a lot of money. We're not asking. We've said this a thousand times. And I ask you to spend like the Dodgers, mm-hmm. not like the Yankees. We understand who you are and what a budget is. But we're also like, be extremely aggressive. And that's something that they haven't done. Now, they're aggressive with Castillo, I want to say. I guess the Robbie Ray deal w- w- was aggressive. You locked down Julio Rodriguez early, which is a good good situation. But you look at all the names that they've acquired. Uh, Garver, Hanukkah, Polanco, uh, uh, Rayleigh, uh, Urias, and Santos. And nothing screams aggressive. But it screams, okay, we're banking on growth yeah. and health here. Because these guys got us, almost all these guys have suffered some type of injury over the past couple seasons. I would say it screams like a rounding out, right? right. Completing. Right. Like that is what this is an effort to do. This is not an effort to build uh, a powerhouse team around Julio. This isn't an effort to find the best option they can for the price they can afford to fill in as many holes as mm-hmm. they can. Yeah. I mean, I honestly think the best thing to happen for Jerry DePoto this offseason has been the anger that fans have had towards Mariners ownership and decision makers with restricting that payroll, with clearly payroll shedding and with mm-hmm. with not being as aggressive. People were so livid, understandably and rightfully so, about the 54% comment, so against Jerry DePoto. Man. And now if I'm Jerry DePoto, I'm like, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for uh, making some of the, the root sports stuff, whatever it is, uh, such a public thing, because now people are looking at me with sympathy, going, how's right. he going to make this work? How's he and Justin Hollander going to make this work? And I think that you and I both agree that for what they've had to work with, they have. Yeah. Jerry DePoto is me when I was in middle school. There's a reason why I got my first pair of Jordans when I was in college when my buddy made it to the NFL and had to deal with Jordan. He would just send me Jordans, right? Because in middle school, we're getting ready for school shopping, and there are the beautiful Jays right there. Oh, the Michael Jordans, man. Let me let me grab those. My mom goes, you want one pair of Jordans or two pair of other sneakers? Maybe even three. You pick. I always went with the three. And that's what the situation is right here. They're like, look, do you want one big name? Because we've got a lot of holes to fill, even though we, we dumped all this money. Or do you want several guys who have the potential to do some things? That's the route that I feel DePoto was forced. He was forced to look at the Jays and then look at the other Nikes and go, I got to roll with the other Nikes. I got to make sure I got three different pairs of shoes to wear that first week of school. Now, what I'm not going to do is give the Mariners credit as an entirety of an organization for succeeding because you haven't proven anything yet. You made the playoffs mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. in 20 years and then weren't able to get back because you weren't as aggressive as you needed to be. Right. You you did have, um, it was a, an execution issue for sure across the board, but there was also a talent acquisition issue. You knew that you needed more offense and more consistent offense heading into the season. You did not get it. Lo and behold, you struggled with consistent offense. Wow, right. who could have seen that coming? Who would have thought it? Uh, and so entering this season, you know that you need more offense. You know that you needed bullpen help. You've gotten some of that, right? Rayleigh, uh, Santos in the bullpen, things like that. And it's great. You 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 hope you found an answer at second base for the first time in however many years. This still, to me, is a team that's going to have to have a lot of luck on their side. Yeah. And that's in part because of the injury history of a lot of these guys mm-hmm. and in other part because you're looking at a World Series uh champ two world series champs in your own division it's the same thing they're going to rely on their pitching hope that the pillars improve and that they get the most out of young talent yep uh all right you guys we are jumping back to the seahawks the hire of leslie frazier is great fantastic we're very okay with it however the seahawks need to nail the oc hire we'll tell you why next